We are proud to announce a new sponsor for this podcast, Augie's Locker Room. Augie's Locker Room, which is located less than a mile away from Notre Dame Stadium, was named the best Notre Dame's collectible shop in the country. This shop is amazing. If you are a passionate Notre Dame fan and are looking for that special Notre Dame piece to complete your rec room, Augie's is the place to go. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, and one-of-a-kind rock knee items. They have an exclusive Joe Montana signed items. If Augie's doesn't have it in store, he will find it for you. Visit AugiesLockerRoom.com or stop in at 1811 South Bend Avenue and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. AugiesLockerRoom.com or call 574-277-NDND. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Notre Dame football show from blueandgold.com. I am once again your host, Ashton Pollard. I'm back after a bit of a hiatus due to a voice issue that lasted far longer than was necessary. But here we are. And as you can see, it's largely resolved. We'll see if it cuts out, uh, goes out later on in the show, but whatever. Um, I'm here with Mike Singer and Tim Hyde. How are you guys doing, Mike? Round of, a, round of applause. Wait, I think I yes, actually welcome. have this sound effect I can play. Welcome back. <laughs> Do that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. A- one more. Ashton Pollard is back, everybody. We're so excited to have her back. So, Ashton, you sound great. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the show. It's always a highlight of my week. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to be back. I enjoyed watching y'all, um, but there was a bit of me that wanted to not just sort of on the topic. Tim, how are you? <laughs> Tim, you doing all right? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm ready to roll. Excited to do that little Notre Dame chit chat here for the next hour. Yeah, last week we did a Twitter space and Ashton and I were getting after Tim. So we'll we'll see if uh if that happens again this week. Uh it's all good. Never um all right, we'll this. start with our normal segment. Um what are we drinking, Tim? I'll start with you. Always, always a beer for the all the as Mike likes to say for the people out there that don't like this part, but uh, just enjoying the beer, you know, sitting here enjoying a, a good time, getting ready to talk some Notre Dame football to everybody. Mike, how are you? Um, I just texted my wife to bring me some water. I forgot to get a drink, so um, I don't have anything. So that's uh, my right. preparedness there. I'm also drinking water, but that was on purpose, not because I forgot. Um, so, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I would drink water right now. Anyways, I, I try not to drink too many calories. Um, yeah. And beer okay. just makes me tired. Beer just makes me tired. I don't yeah. know what it is. I'm too old for this. Um, anyways. All right. Other segment we usually start off with, uh, the best thing you saw this week. So we started this, I don't know, maybe like a month-ish ago around then, Mike, uh, during spring practice, uh, gives us the opportunity to just name something that's football related, but not necessarily like the deep analysis that we'll get into in a minute. So we'll start with you, Mike. What is the best thing related to Notre Dame football that you saw this week? Thank you, wife. My wife just brought me some water. So cheers. now, cheers. yeah, so cheers to everybody. The So I'll pop this on the screen for for youtube folks this was awesome and i actually wanted to go to this but i was not able to um this is uh, a picture of jalen sneed uh helping out at a youth camp down in hilton head south carolina of course where he went to high school his head coach bj Payne um runs this big camp that um 
you know, he's had former NFL players come back. Blake Fisher was also there. Logan Diggs, Jaden Mickey. So um, some um, promising young Notre Dame talent were there. So it was just pretty cool to, to see um, th- these Notre Dame players go up there and, and help out. Puna Ford played for Hilton Head. He's a uh, defensive lineman um, for the Seattle Seahawks. You know, he helps out. Jaden Mickey, there's pictures um, of Jaden Mickey. So that's the best thing I've seen in the past week. So I think Hilton Head's like a four-hour drive for me. I wanted to to go to it, and it wasn't able to work out. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, I, I thought, pretty pretty neat. Yeah, no, I, I also love that. I think, like, Josh Fan, the South Carolina – I think he's still at South Carolina. Maybe he's in the NFL now. But, uh, yeah, there, there are a bunch of different players there, which I thought was super cool. Tim, how about you? Uh, real quick, Mike, your uh, 2020 class of 22 uh, cover guy was on there – was there as well, Blake Fisher. I saw him post something, so there's another one there. The best thing I saw is Notre Dame is rolling the dice and getting involved with a bunch of five stars. It feels like this hasn't happened in a long time. So the fact that they got, you know, unbelievable running back, Mr. Young visiting and who I think outside of the quarterbacks, I know I've posted this before is uh, Caleb Downs uh, visiting the, I think he's the best player in the country outside of the quarterbacks. So he is absolutely one heck of football player. And they're getting these two guys on at campus for official visits. I know Mike's posted uh, some of the updates and his lucky charms and all that. It's, it's an uphill climb, but they're getting him there. So something's happening with those guys. And I think that's awesome. Okay. Um, we, we have some good questions already rolling in. So if you have questions, drop them. I'm favoriting some of them on my end so I can, we can get to them later. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really liking these. And then if you want a question to be answered right away, drop a super chat. We'll play the DJ air horn and we'll get to your question right away. Um, yeah, I mean, those two uh, are, are, are pretty, pretty important. The, the Richard Young one that Notre Dame's just out of the blue, bringing up a five-star running back, the number one running back in the country per the on three consensus. Like, yeah, that's, that's pretty great. I mean, does Notre Dame have a shot with them? I mean, I don't really do percentage chances, but I'll, I'm feeling um, fun tonight. So maybe 10, 15% chance. I'll take that. Hell yeah. I'll take that if you're Notre Dame. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Getting them to campus. That's literally what I was going to say. Yeah. The fact that they're getting them on campus. That's the first step. Exactly. So huge, huge news. So that was awesome. Yeah, and then I'll go last really quickly. Um, what what I saw, I'm actually going to plug a tool that we have it on three that's really cool. So it's the NIL valuation, and basically what it does is it combines a bunch of different factors, and um, they're all on our site. But the, the biggest ones are kind of social media, overall just performance, and then the existence of a collective or a collective-like organization out of school. Um, so basically last night I was looking at Notre Dame's page, and on the side it has uh, the top players from from every school and if you notice if you look here Notre Dame's top really top two I mean I, the top three are there but the top two that I was interested in Michael Mayer who's a tight end and Joe Alt, who's an offensive tackle and that is funny because if you look at almost any other school their quarterback is at the top and then they have skill position guys kind of around him so like Bryce Young is at the top of Alabama's Caleb Williams is at the top of USC's 
and not at Notre Dame. This is very Notre Dame-esque in the sense that it is a tight end and an offensive tackle that have the highest NIL valuation. Um, and we get this question a lot, so I'll just answer it while I'm here. But that amount of money that's listed there, that is not what they have made to date. That is what the algorithm that On3 has put together thinks that they are worth on the market. And you can check that out on our site. Breaks it down even further. Um, I'm going to actually write about it later this week, too. So, uh, yeah, that that's what I saw. And that's what I thought was, was the best thing this week. I, um, I, I'm sorry, go I should go ahead. No, I was, I was going to switch gears so you can go ahead if you... I, I think the NIL valuation, like... I, I'm not much of an expert on NIL. I'm very glad we have Ashton on our staff at Blue and Gold because she's very much into it. So I'm, I always feel like I'm bothering Ashton. I'm texting her like, hey, I have an NIL evaluation question. <laughs> like, because this tool, I just texted her today. I was like, what do you think made Joe Alt jump from, and I'll actually pull up his page in a second, but, you know, he was like in the... Uh, he- his his NIL valuation last week was $9,300, so nine, call it $9,000, um, and it shot up, and I'm that's part of what I'm writing about too, and I talked to one of the NIL guys at On3 about that. That is most likely due to the fact that the algorithm is registered. I mean, there's a lot of college football players, right? And it's also college basketball, so there's a lot of players it's dealing with. Probably registered the fact that Notre Dame is creating that collective um, fund, Friends of the University of Notre Dame, and that's why it shot up. It happened to Michael Mayer last week. It happened to the rest of the team, basically, um, or at least the very top last week. So I think it's just the algorithm starting to correct for that. But yeah, you can see, I mean, that's ridiculous. 5,441%. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fascinating. And the, the more information and data that gets put in it's the same with the on three recruiting prediction machine that i love um that's my favorite thing at on three like not even close and i, I love so many other things about on three but that the rpm is just i think it's so fantastic it's just all this data that you know gets inputted to it just makes it so much more valuable and and, and interesting and accurate even as well so for me, I want my head cannon on this to be that they just saw hashtag Joe Walt fan club was a big deal on Twitter. And they said, well, if the guy's got a hashtag and it's oh, yeah. being put out there by one Mike Singer, then it, he, you know, he must, you know, deserve a, you know, 5,000 percent increase in his nil valuation so sure that is it oh and the piece that i write on this exact thing tomorrow i will make sure to include that in my list of reasons why joe all jumped like that so i mean i mean he's he's gonna be a first round pick so yeah i mean so it works for me so blake fisher's got a big nil valuation as well tim hey real quick on the on the algorithm if it is accurate on the recruiting side do not click on dante moore's then because that thing is down to the, like the 30% for Notre Dame, I think. I actually just checked on it earlier today. I hadn't been on there uh, uh, looking at that. And I was like, oh, wow. That thing has really dwindled here over the last six weeks. I mean, I don't know what... Tim, why are you bringing bad news to the show? We're trying to have a nice... <laughs> why are you I just doing saw that? it today, talking about algorithms. I love it. I absolutely love looking at this. I Because like Mike says, it's constant information going in. And yeah. I think it's... I think it's a cool thing for recruit guys to go on there and check it out and have some fun with it is, is what it is. So. Yeah. And uh, on the, on the topic of recruits going in and looking at it, um, we were talking about this in a meeting the other day that 
um, one of one of our Texas A&M guys was out at a, a camp somewhere uh, down in down in Texas and said that a bunch of recruits actually talk about like their valuations and their recruiting predictions and stuff like that. So I know we know a lot of y'all don't necessarily love the NIL stuff, but the recruits do. And if the recruits like it and you want the recruits to come to your school, you should also like it. That's just a quick little plug on that topic. L- let me also add, I've had someone at Notre Dame like ask me about this in the football office, like ask me about how the NIL valuation works. Yeah. I have people all the time asking me about the RPM and, and, and yeah, recruits, um, their parents, they ask about it. Like it's like, I, I love on three. Like, I, I, it, I mean, it, this is like next gen stuff. So, and again, I, I get, I get the, um, the pushback on new stuff. I always kind of give the, um, the parallel to my dad um, loved his flip phone. And then I got him an iPhone for Christmas one year. And he was, I don't want an iPhone. I don't want to be the person who's like this all the time in their phone. And you know what he does now? He's, he's on his phone all day. So sometimes technology can be better. So that's right. my, uh, that's yeah. my spiel there. People don't like learning new things because it takes time. And I'm included in that. That's not a knock on other people. That's also myself. <laughs> um, anyways, we should move this along. But before we do, while we're plugging all the on three stuff, I'll go ahead and plug our $1 deal that is still happening. Um, so yeah, you can you can sign up. You get access to all the sports we're writing about. We're currently deep into baseball stuff because the ACC tournament is this weekend, uh, plus the recruiting, the football. Um, it's not basketball season, but there's a lot happening with basketball transfers. We have a lot of that going on. You get message board access. It's all for a single dollar for one year. So you should definitely check that out. Um, that will not be around forever. So you want to get it while it's there. Um, and then, yeah, just be- before we dive into some of the recruiting stuff, um, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit the thumbs up on the bottom, leave us a comment, whatever. If you're listening back to the podcast, uh, give us a five-star rating. Tell us what you like about us, what you don't like about us. We're fine to take both. That works. Um, but yeah, we'll go ahead and dive into um, some of our main topics for today. So we're starting with recruiting. And um, Mike, you probably have the the team rankings to pull up somewhere. There we go. Perfect. So as it currently stands, Notre Dame has the number one class in the country, according to the on three consensus rankings um, that combines on three 24 seven rivals and ESPN um together and um yeah so notre dame has that that one five star commit that's keon keely for 10 four stars and then a three star um as you can see that's the biggest class listed on this screen so that's the top seven they have 12 uh just behind would be ohio state at 10 so people are still building out their classes which brings us to our question which is do we think that notre dame can hold on to that number one spot and if not, where do we think they're going to end up? So I will go to Tim first. Tim, what do you think about the current state? And then kind of as we're approaching December and the early signing day. I'm glad you're going to Tim first because I want to roast whatever he says. I don't care what he says. I'm just going to roast him for something. So you and go me ahead, both. Tim. I'm waiting. Well, well, let's well let's start. Can they finish number one? Well, I went back into the old blue and gold annals there. And do you guys know when the last time Notre Dame had the number one recruiting class? pre-internet era for sure right 1942 oh that was a long time ago i was still (laughs) in the united states marines and i was hanging out in this lovely country called somalia 1995 
That's when I was born. 1995 was the last number one recruiting class. Uh, so that's my fault. I was born in 95, so this is my fault. (laughs) My dad actually tells me this sometimes. Not seriously, but when I was born, it all went downhill for Notre Dame football. Yeah, Randy Moss signed that year. That did not end well, but that was the last class. (laughs) And then since then, I know we were chatting about this on some of the message board stuff recently. I mean, just finishing in the top five, you know, top five. Someone uh, posted, uh, who was it? Uh, Don Schuler had a quote and someone says, oh, this guy doesn't know his history. And it's like, they've only finished in the top five four times in this, uh, since, you know, since then, since that 95 group. You have 98, which Bob Davey, Charlie Weiss had back-to-back top five classes in 07, 08, and then the, the, the big class in 2013. So the odds of finishing number one, I sent you guys a text last night because I hadn't been on the recruiting rankings in a while. Georgia and Bama were not three, four, uh, you know, a week ago. So the fact that they're starting to slowly creep up, and those are the big dogs on the block. If Notre Dame's going to finish number one, they're going to have to get obviously Dante Moore. You know, they're not going to have, an, uh, you know, they're running their wide receivers are more than likely going to be outside the top one hundred. If they don't get the number one running back in the class, they're going to have you know a couple guys ranked two hundreds running back wise. So eventually it, it, it will drift down. A top five class is awesome. Top three for Notre Dame is elite beyond elite. And the stats have shown that over the last couple decades. Do you All think right. top five or top three is doable or which one? Yeah. I guess it if, if they hit on, you know, if they hit on Mr. Mike Singer's, you know, predicted class that he posted a couple weeks ago, most definitely if they get those guys, but what's the odds of them hitting on those guys? So top, top three, Mike, man, you know, and Mike, and Mike broke this down uh, one night. We were just talking about it off the cuff about just the rankings and the numbers where you got Georgia Bama. There's a lot of top 50, top hundred dudes that haven't committed yet. And you know, they're going to get their fair share. And then the next one, no one's really talking about is Texas. Texas has always had national recruiting classes. If they get Arch Manning, you know, you know they're going to sprinkle in a couple more uh, big-time Texas guys there that are ranked high. Expect them to jump way up. Top five is huge. Top top three would be absolutely amazing because that means they that means they pulled an upset somewhere. And is that Downs? You know, assuming let's say Dante Moore comes, so then do you get a Downs? Can they pull that type of an upset? Because I think a lot of the other positions are falling in place where they're not, they're not going to get a lot of high end guys outside of really what Jason Moore, Jagasaw, you know, but Jagasaw obviously offensive tackle DN, you know, that's, you know, two guys right there, but we'll see. It's going to be tough as Mike knows. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment. Every time they see it, blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. I have so many thoughts about this because I literally talk about this. I feel like every day when I texted you guys today, I was like, "Hey, have we done this segment on you know our live show?" Mm-hmm. And you guys are like, "No, actually." I'm like, "I feel like I talk about it all the time." Maybe when I go on radio or go on other people's YouTubes, like this always comes up. But like first, you know, I was with Rivals for nine years. So Rivals does their rankings different than on three. So Rivals is a point system. So really early on, whoever has the highest rank or whoever has the most commitments, like Texas Tech was number one for a while on Rivals because they had the most commitments. So I really like this on three system that takes a rolling average so right now the rolling average is uh, six. So it just takes your top six commits. Um, so Notre Dame is twelve commits, but this is only taking its again its highest six. So I, I do like how On Three does their recruiting rankings. So when I think about this and cover Notre Dame for I think this will be my fourth class. It, you know it, I do have to think a little bit differently because I think Rivals had Notre Dame at seven or eight in the twenty twenty two class, and On Three had it at six. Just the formulas are, are just different, and on three has more data than, um, than you know, just rivals going off of in terms of the consensus. So that's something I think about. I mean, Notre Dame had this number six class last year, like I just said, um, and you know, that's really good. But it still felt like it like it wasn't it was Notre Dame's best class, I think, on paper according to the on three consensus since that twenty thirteen haul. Um, but it still felt like it was missing just dudes. Like you're missing CJ Williams. You're missing Anthony Lucas, like they, that the Notre Dame could have landed. So Notre Dame like has that ability. I think if they hit on more of these top guys to land in the top five, but you mentioned that mock class article I did. It was like Notre Dame hitting on basically all of their top targets, maybe besides a Caleb Downs and, um, obviously Richard Young at that point, we didn't know about as a major play for Notre Dame. And I'm pretty sure if you would have plugged that score in, I did the math into the 2022 class or 2021, it was still like five or six. Like it wasn't even a big difference, um, which is, is kind of crazy to think about. And then another thing, the last thing I'll mention on this topic is just how different of a level A&M and Bama are at. I mean, just so we have the 2022 consensus rankings on the screen right now. Texas A&M score was a 96.4. That was the best recruiting class in the internet era ever. Bama, 95.5. And then you go down to six, and that's Notre Dame at 92.1. So it's quite a, I mean, that's, from AM to Notre Dame, that's a whole four points. That's a big difference. So, I mean, for Notre Dame to sign the number one class, I mean, they need literally, they, they would need to hit on every single top target, get a surprise in there. I mean, if AM recruits at even close to this level, you know Alabama will, and you know Georgia's going to as well, it's just going to be very tough for Notre Dame to get into the top three let alone, you know, uh, you know, the number one spot in the country. Yeah, I was going to say kind of on that topic, uh, you talked about how uh, on three had Notre Dame six last year, but how the 
well, yes, the gap's so big. There's an analogy that I like that I'm going to borrow from. Um, it's from like Dan Wetzel and Pat Forty of Dan's at Yahoo, 40s at SI. But they talk about like that gap as if you think about it, they're 32-ish, they're between 30 between 30 and 35 five-star recruits in every um, class. So think of that as like the first round of the NFL draft, right? So if Alabama or Texas A&M gets nine of them and Notre Dame gets one of them, like that, that I think for me, like puts it into perspective of like Texas A&M gets the first 10 picks before Notre Dame gets any pick, right? So that's, and like, think about if the NFL worked that way. Um, so that, that is kind of like a jarring way that they are a jarring analogy that they use that I really like. And then when you put that into practice, um, like for example, when Notre Dame played Alabama in the Rose bowl, obviously that's multiple recruiting classes together, but Alabama, I think I, I think it was 25 former five-star recruits on the field and Notre Dame had Kyle Hamilton and Kyle Hamilton was not even a consensus five-star. I think he was a five-star at rivals and 24 seven, but not ESPN or something. So yeah, that's like Alabama got 25 picks before Notre Dame got one, like no way Alabama's going to kill them. Like, obviously that's, that's how it's going to end. So I don't know that, that just kind of puts it in perspective for me, Tim, did you have any final thoughts before we move to the next topic? Yeah. I mean, well, my final thoughts is, looking at you know if you're going to finish number one or even the top three as we were saying who's left on notre dame's board i mean corner cornerback wise if christian gray goes to lsu other corners are going to be ranked really you know they don't have a lot of high-end guys like they're really my closing other than uh jason you know jason moore you know the dn and then two offensive linemen and charles jagasaw and monroe freeling are both top 50 uh, top 50 football players. So you have those three, you get Dante Moore. They're not getting, you know, if, if they don't get Richard Young and if they get, you know, their last two running backs, Lamar and uh, Love out of St. Louis, those guys are ranked, what, in the 200s? So that that's not going to move the needle. And just like, same thing as wide receiver. You know, Gallagher was going to be their highest ranked receiver and he's going to West Virginia. So even though they are in some really good, is no. it Gallagher? No, but no. Gallagher is ranked ahead of Flores, Rico Flores. James, James Brady is higher House. than him. Are you sure? Or yeah, right in the around, consensus. Right yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but I'm just, you know, there's no, there's no high end guys that gonna push Notre Dame up unless they get a, a couple massive surprises. But they're not coming in the skill positions that they're recruiting to help push that. And D line's done other than Jason Moore. Yeah. Tim, yeah. real quick, you, what, what, I, I don't think we did a video on this with you or anything. Your, your thoughts on Cedric Irvin decommitting from the, you know, the four-star running back from uh, Miami. I, me, I look at, I looked at it as a positive. My, my first take is like, okay, that means they're telling him other guys are recruiting. That's the way I look at it. As you know, as a Notre Dame guy watching it and going from there is the fact that you know, because they talk. I mean, he was just, wasn't he just there for the blue and gold game? So the fact he was just there, obviously there's positive conversations going on. So I'm sure it has something to do with, you know, they probably told him, hey, we're going to keep recruiting guys. And they just got the pain from last class. So they're trying to restock that running back room. And they probably told him, hey, you know, these are the guys we're doing. You know, do you want to come aboard still? Because we're recruiting a lot of guys. So especially if they get a couple of those guys. But uh I was I was a little taken back just because he was just there. I think you've done a recent positive, a really nice article with him, or had nice quotes I saw on the board. So there was no him backing off visiting other people. He's been to Notre Dame a bunch, so that was a little surprising. 
but good news, I take it as good news is in Notre Dame feels confident in some of these guys are recruiting. So we'll see. Yeah. Lamar announces his commitment Thursday, May 26th. So, um, and uh, love is just, I mean, love is dynamic as could be. That's going to be a fight because the way he's blown up, people are going to be arm wrestling for that guy. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. If you are just joining us, make sure that you are hitting the thumbs up, subscribing, leaving us comments. If you're listening back via podcast, leave us a review, uh, give us five stars. Don't give us four stars or three stars. Definitely don't give us no stars. That really hurts Mike's ego. So don't do that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yes, should we take a question, Mike? Yeah, let's do it. Um, it's we can go. I saw at the beginning and some questions that I was actually maybe going to touch a bit on this later, but there were a couple of Chris Tyree related questions. Hey, got uh, you, girl. How about this awesome. one? Perfect. So is Chris Tyree underrated? He does not seem to get the respect he deserves, in my opinion. So I've thought a lot about this and I actually wrote a feature on him uh, in our latest magazine that is coming out in the next couple of days. I think the issue, my personal, not per, well, not personal issue, Chris Tyree's a lovely person, but my my <laughs> issue with Chris Tyree is he just can't really seem to stay fully healthy. And he's not out there like tearing an ACL or anything. It's a turf toe injury. It's a it's an ankle sprain. It's all of these little things that kind of have held him back. So I I think he is underrated in the sense that he's so much more talented than what we've seen on the field, but I don't blame people for kind of having a question about him, given that he seems to have these recurring injury problems. He also had a a high ankle sprain in high school. um, I think from track maybe, but um, yeah. So that's kind of my thought on Chris. Do y'all, do y'all have thoughts? Tim or Mike? I'll go real quick. When he was in high school, I went to go see him play. It was, um, Hopewell versus uh, Thomas Dale, you know, nice little rivalry there in, in, in Richmond, an area Ashton Pollard knows well. And yeah. uh, Trayvon Henderson was the running back for Hopewell, and he, he was such a freak. Like, I, I loved watching him play. Tyree didn't play. Ankle. He missed a good chunk of his, his senior season. Like, he battled injuries a lot as a, as, as a prep player, and yeah, it, it's a good point. It's a good point you bring up, Ashton. Yeah, he's, Tim, he's, going in, well, he's going into his junior year, and you know what? I went, I was, you know, doing some, uh, you know, running back, wide receiver stuff. I was looking at skill guys, and since the great class of 2013, he's he's the highest ranked running back that Notre Dame has signed since then. He was, you know, top 100, ranked in the top 10 in the running backs, and so the expectations are high. I mean, Notre Dame what beat out Alabama was one of his a few finalists there. So, yeah, but you're right. He's been banged up, but he's also had a Tyron Williams is absolute was, has been an absolute stud his first two seasons, but the, it is now. And just like you said, Ashton, he was nicked up on and off all spring football. It sounds like. So this is, this is a big year for him because I think the freshman running back is, is uh, had a heck of a spring from all accounts and estimate got tons of reps and now we know you know Diggs is probably not going to be back until the season starts or sometime in September after that so I don't know how that that surgery goes so you know I don't think Diggs is going to be around early in the season so Tyree better stay healthy because they're going to need him yeah and the big thing with Tyree that he's a real slot receiver too 
But now that we've seen that Price can also do that, and Estime's not going to be your Kyron Williams slot receiver, but McCullough like raved about Estime's hands. Like he was basically like, yeah, you guys think he's a bruiser. He's the human bowling ball, whatever. But like he actually has decent hands. So if if Price can play that role and Estime can supplement Price, um, and obviously you have Diggs in there too, but to your point, it's kind of a toss up what exactly is going to happen with Diggs this season. Um, then Tyree, if, if Tyree's not healthy, that doesn't bode well for him if those other two guys can kind of fill that void. So um, anyways, we will move along to our next topic. So every week, um, if you don't know, we do an article on blueandgold.com called Cover 3, and it's essentially a roundtable um, that three of our staffers answer this week, our question was concerning a an over under win total um, that was put out. So will Notre Dame football go over or under nine and a half wins in 2022? This one was answered by uh, myself, Tyler Horka, and Patrick Engel. And I guess I can go ahead and explain my position first. And, and Patrick had a similar answer. We both took the over here. Um, and that is, I think, and Tim is going to fight me on this. <laughs> Um, so basically the way that I approached this was, I personally think that Ohio state is going to beat Notre Dame. So then you're at best case scenario, 11 and one after that nine of the 11 remaining opponents, Notre Dame has the clear talent advantage over BYU is maybe a little close, especially with our transfers. Um, UNC has a couple of really highly rated guys, but by and large, Notre Dame, you can definitively say they have the talent advantage. The two games that are up in the air are Clemson and USC. I think Clemson is more talented, but that being said, their offense last year was absolutely terrible. And I'm not, that's not news. Um, DJ Oyungle just did not, he was not the quarterback that we saw November, 2020 at Notre Dame stadium. All I've talked to a lot of Clemson writers. All of them basically say it's, it's the same this year. And it's not just DJ, it's the Clemson offensive line. So that says to me that while Clemson's defense is elite and they have the talent advantage over Notre Dame, um, both Clemson and Notre Dame have really big offensive questions. So I think that you can argue that that might be a toss up and obviously it's at Notre Dame, it's at home. So, um, I could see, I think the Notre Dame can win that game. Will they? I'm not entirely sure. The other toss up is USC. They have the clear talent advantage on offense. They have Caleb Williams. They have Jordan Addison. They brought Travis Dine from Oregon. They're clearly better on offense. That being said, their defense is absolutely terrible. They have not been able to stop Notre Dame in recent years. And while they got a bunch of transfers, we don't really know how that's going to play out. And I talked to our USC writer the other day for an hour and he basically was like, there's so many questions on the defense. Like last year they had Drake Jackson at linebacker and um, he was kind of the, the anchor of that front seven. He's gone and they don't necessarily have um, another guy in that front seven. So all this to say, um, I think 11 and one is best case scenario. I think that Notre Dame is going to beat Clemson USC. I'm a little iffier about, but I think the, f- I'm, I'm going to hesitantly say the floor is 10 and two. I don't think they go nine and three, which is why I took the over Mike. What do you think? I think the floor is definitely, I mean, that's if the floor is 10 and two, then it's like, I mean, the, then the ceiling has got to be like a undefeated season. I mean, because you got, you got to have. I mean, the floor has got to be a little bit lower than that, in my opinion. Because, I mean, upsets, what if Clemson is, you know, pretty good? So. Well, on the topic of upsets, though, and I wrote this in the in cover three, Notre Dame has not been losing to teams that they're supposed to beat. 
Like Correct. that's, that was a big, and I, I know there's a new head coach. I'm aware of that topic and we can talk about that, but there Notre Dame doesn't really get upset anymore. Um, Michigan 2019 is really kind of the only example and that's Michigan. And they're always going to have a decent amount of talent. You don't have your, your Northwestern, your Duke, your whoever coming into Notre Dame stadium and pulling this massive upset anymore. So that's kind of where I, sorry, I interrupted you. Go no, ahead. no, no. The The Michigan game, I think, was like a pick too. So Notre Dame was maybe, maybe favored by a point. Um, I think it, I, I thought it was three, but whatever, regardless. <clears throat> Still, I mean, yeah, that's, it's, that wouldn't, that's not quite a major upset. Um, sure. I mean, North Carolina, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, North, two schools that piss me off are North Carolina and Iowa State, just because the media always hypes those two up every single year, I feel like. And now it and and they just never deliver. But still, you're going at at North Carolina. You know, who's playing quarterback? I, I don't know, but they're still still got two. Brown. Nobody knows. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, it's I I think North Car. I mean, North Carolina fans might say the same thing about Notre Dame. So you know, I don't know, maybe. But other than that, yeah, it's it's I don't see any. I mean, does, is Syracuse any good these days? They, um, they have a couple of, so Sean Tucker, their running back led, I believe the country in all purpose yards last year. If not, he was second or third and he definitely led the ACC. He was first team all ACC. And then, uh, Deuce Chestnut, their corner was first team all ACC. And then they have a linebacker. I forget his name, but if this, uh, the one man off of Sean Tucker, uh, last year, Notre Dame faced a couple of one man offenses, uh, was able to, was able to handle them largely. So they don't scare me as much. Although I did, I think I predicted that would be, I think Notre Dame, like 31 Syracuse 20 in my article the other day. So a bit closer, but yeah. And then, and then BYU it's away from home and BYU is typically, uh, they're, they're usually a pretty solid team. So that I, I just, you know, I, I could, if disaster happens, I mean, It'd be, I, I, I could see a few losses. I, I could, but for the to stop playing devil's advocate and actually give an answer. Oh man, <laughs> I was gonna say nine and three, but you kind of convinced me. I, I think ten and two for the regular season. <laughs> um, I think they lose to Ohio State, and then uh, they split USC and Clemson, and and they go ten and two. So that's what I'm going with. What do you think, Tim? Yeah. I mean, it, it, God, how do you predict games in May? It's like Ashton's out there doing scores. And I'm like, if, oh, if we, if we, if we're not allowed to, then we're out of jobs. So no, 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 I know. Yeah, I know. What do you want me to talk about? I mean, I even put, I put in that article that my USC prediction, like who the hell knows? Like I literally put that in the first sentence. <laughs> no, exactly. Cause that's just, I mean, you don't know, you don't know. I mean, there's a million on, on both sides, all these games. I'm a, big Lou Holtz fan. And Lou Holtz says every week's a new, a new team. Every single week is a new team. And you go back, especially how I many years I've coached. It's like, you just don't never know the standards, 10 wins. They've won 10. Now one of those in 17, they had to get that 10th win in the, in the bowl game. But, um, you know, 10, you look at that and you say 10 wins Clemson. I'm telling you guys, Clemson's going to be, I mean, Clemson is going to be Georgia this year on defense. They, there, I mean, there's some, you know, there's some mock drafts that have three or four first rounders on defense for Clemson. So they are going to be stacked on defense. And uh, with as far as USC goes, that's so far away. They're not getting, you know, they're getting the respect, obviously, with the skill guys. But people, their offensive lines return in their entire, you know, starting five. So 
And on defense, you know, we we talked last week in our Twitter spaces. They've loaded up on transfers galore. So they and their schedule is so soft. I would not be surprised if they're playing in that game and they're ten and one because their schedule is cupcake. So that's the other thing to look at. I say I keep thinking ten and two because they got Notre Dame's got a lot of good football players. They got a lot of question marks, but they got a lot of good football players. They kept Marcus Freeman to keep this culture going, keep this going with all these players returning. I know they got question marks at quarterback Buckner, but if he's healthy, he's going to be, he's going to just, he's going to run around and, and cause so much havoc for defensive coordinators. And, and if they somehow could figure out this wide receiver, you know, position, t- I mean, t- 10 wins is, is there. I keep going on, on 10, 11 and one, yeah, it's assuming Ohio State, but Ohio State's got it, you know, a ton of problems as well. They got a freak at quarterback and a couple skill guys, but Notre Dame could take advantage of a few other positions. So I'll I'll say 10 and 2. Ashton talked about, you know, winning the games you're supposed to win. But that was a lot of veteran teams and a head coach that's been has coached a 400 some odd games in his life. So that's gonna be the kicker. Can Marcus Freeman win those games he's favored in? and not have that at UNC, like Mike mentioned, that you go just, you're just not ready. It's a noon kickoff and you're just not ready. You know, that, that's happened at times. So, but that hasn't happened recently. That's why I'm going with you guys and I'm, I'm going to go 10 wins. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No so I was on Ohio State podcast earlier today and they kind of were like, hey, I know you're the recruiting guy, Mike, but what do you think about the game itself? And I'm like, Honestly, I'm so busy trying to track down what the heck Dante Moore is going to do that I don't really had time to think about Ohio State, Notre Dame. But when I thought about it, it was like, all right, let's just, I think Notre Dame's defense is going to be about the same as last year, maybe better. I, I think Notre Dame's defense will come out very strong. Think about the offense, and if I were Ohio State defense coordinator General Knowles, I would load the box I would say, hey, Tyler Buckner and Braden Lindsey and, um, you know, Avery Davis, Lorenzo Styles, you guys got to beat me down the field. I'm stopping the because I mean, what's Notre Dame's strength? Tyler Buckner's legs, good running back core, and a really good offensive line. So I am coming after and taking, and Michael Mayer, obviously. I'm bracketing Michael Mayer. I'm playing you very aggressively, and I'm saying, Buckner, beat me, beat me over the top. And uh, I don't know how strong Ohio State secondary is, but if it's if it's any good, then that's what I would do. Am I crazy here, Tim? What do you think? No, no, it's exactly what you do. You're like you beat me playing cover zero. We're gonna load the box. I'm gonna have a spy on Buckner every single play, so you don't quarterback scramble, especially on drop back. Someone's gonna be right in your face. You are not gonna scramble when it's third and eight for fifteen. It's not gonna happen. And we're just going to, and I'm assuming the Buckeyes, they've recruited pretty good over the years that they're just going to be like, you know, Avery Davis, you're not going to beat me. Brendan Lindsay, you're not going to beat me. 
and they're going to just go on there and force Buckner to hit one up top. And that's, that's going to come down to, and if he does it, it does it. The old saying, then you got to respect that, which then opens up Buckner for being able to run the ball. But you're right. They're going to load the box. The Buckeyes should, they're really good on the D line. They got some dudes up front, so they definitely can get after it up front. Okay. I, I that was my theory and I wanted to throw it at you as, as a coach. So, all right. I feel a little bit better about my football acumen right now, but Hey, Ashton, do you mind if we get to a question? No, go ahead. Because someone You're called me a on. Jedi master, which don't know why, or but I love it to death. So I <laughs> thank you, Michael. He says, Hey, Mike, Jedi master singer. Love that. Uh, give me your current take on the Dante Moore recruitment as of today. What's your opinion as far as what you can share? What was that on three recruiting prediction machine percentage, Tim? It's It's gone down, Mike. It's gone down. So since your prediction, it is really gone. I know down. it was at first. It was at in the, like eighty, and now it's down to thirty-seven point one percent. But after that, it's LSU at twenty-two percent, Oregon eighteen. I don't. I don't. I don't know what to say that I haven't said before. Um, I think Notre Dame is the clear number one, and. I had someone just ask me today on the message board, who do you think the number two is? And my answer was, I said, literally depends on the day. Like some people, it's like, I think it's LSU. And then I hear, "Eh, it's not really LSU. It's it's Oregon. Oregon's really in the mix. Now, Oregon, uh, I think they're getting Jaden Jaden or Jalen Rashada, uh, a big-time quarterback from uh, Northern California. Miami, well, some people think he's going to Miami. or, or that they're in the mix. They're about to get a quarterback commitment. Um, Michigan, eh, I don't, I don't think he's really into Michigan. Texas A and M's interesting um, for the simple human fact of everyone can be bought. Everyone can be bought. So if Texas A and M is just throwing money out there that someone literally can't refuse, then you have to be at least somewhat scared of them. Right, Ashton? You're smiling. Am I right? Well, I was smiling because we were gonna we were gonna end our show talking about the the Saban Fisher feud, but we could just do it right now while we're on the topic. <laughs> do you well, want to go right now? Should yeah, we- I, I, I want to bring it full circle back to Notre Dame, though, and it's like so. There's those five schools, but I I just and I think everything's good with Notre Dame. Like I, I, he needs to get back to campus. We're not 100 percent sure when that's gonna happen. I do think it'll happen in June, though, and uh, if that goes well, and I, it, it just seems to be trending towards Notre Dame. You know, if he were like a, you know, like a, a four-star, you know, like top 200 to 250 player, I think this recruitment would be a lot more cut and dry. But when you're a five-star quarterback and you're Dante Moore and you're a big deal, I think the process just kind of takes a life of its own and becomes a lot more complicated. Um, so I I do think the end result will still be Notre Dame. Um, how we get there might be a little twists and turns than a a more simple recruitment. Um, but that, that's my take. So yeah, Tim, the Nick Saban, uh, Jimbo Fisher feud. What was your, what was your take on that? I don't really have many opinions on this except for, I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. And I think it's fun for the off season. Um, 
that's I just I just I like the the hot takes and I like seeing Nick Saban calling people out and going rogue and and everybody getting involved. That's that's all I have on it. I I just am, am here for the popcorn eating, but I'll leave this one up to to Ashton and Tim. Tim, you want yeah, to go first? Just... I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what I mean, it's it was it was in, it was interesting because number one, Saban's at a uh, what a fundraising function as he's raising money and complaining about a program you know, promoting their money. So I thought, I thought that, I thought that was interesting. Saban, uh, you know, everything he says, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. He's trying to, he's basically trying to tell the boosters, Hey, you guys need to up your ante, but Alabama, I mean, Saban's been on record talking about, they gave out six, $7 million in, in NIL last year. I believe he's, he's gone on record saying that what, you know, what his players earned last year, which is a lot of money. So, it's not like Alabama's hurting. This fact that he's out there talking about parody in college football is like, la- I mean, there's so many things that are laughable both sides of these guys. Saban talking about parody, wants an equal playing ground. Come on, you're at Alabama. There's no equal playing ground that he's on. So let's get real with that. And then uh, with, with Jim, I mean, Jimbo just went personal because I think he's tired of it. It all started with Kiffin way back when and a couple stories that popped on the internet. And I think, I mean, he, he's definitely hit, you know, him, him and Nick, he says he hasn't returned his call. He's got, and he, I saw an interview he did with him or uh, just two nights ago on a Texas a TV station. He went on their local news and did a five, six minute interview and he hasn't talked to Saban. He has no deals to talk to him. He's done with them. He basically has said, and that's a, uh, I thought that was the, the biggest takeaway. You got two guys that won national championship together, two guys that coached and built up LSU that, uh, you know, kind of, faded away so to speak so that was my big take from it there's just it was both sides it was just a bunch of guys whining got guys making 10 million dollars a year complaining so i found that interesting i loved it so much i cannot even begin to put into words how much i loved this drama <laughs> um i was gonna i think the biggest takeaway to tim's point actually is that um yeah saban saban knew exactly what he was doing he was rallying the alabama boosters more so than asking the NCAA or whoever to investigate Fisher. They're, if they do it, they're not going to do a good job. They're the NCAA. That's how this works. Um, that's exactly what what he was trying to do. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm so here for the content in the offseason. I think it is a bit funny that Nick Saban is the one bringing it up. I think, on all honesty, I think Saban runs a much cleaner program than Jimbo Fisher does. I've said that before. Um, I think Saban, as, as far as... Certain programs go. Saban has his a bit more in check than a lot of places. That being said, like they're all doing it. To Tim's point, the Bryce Young made a million bucks. The rest of the team, they all made like six million dollars total. Um, I think that Saban's honestly just mad because, for the first time in quite a while, he's at an inherent disadvantage in the sense that Texas A&M boosters are really freaking rich. They are so rich, and the state of Alabama as a whole is not very wealthy. Um, and obviously you have people from outside of Alabama that go to Alabama. I'm aware of that, but by and large, the Texas A&M fan base is one of the wealthiest in the country. And Saban is well aware of that. And he can't combat that. Um, unless he, I mean, maybe he can't combat it at all, but he certainly can't combat it unless he essentially calls Jimbo Fisher out and puts a target on Texas A&M's back. And they're an easy target because they did sign a weird number of five-star players last year. So anyways, that's those are my thoughts on it. I think Tim and I largely agree there based on yeah and 
and I, I like the fact here we were talking about Notre Dame finishing in the top one or five or whatever it is. And he finishes number two and he was kind of like complaining. It's like, yeah. really, really? Yeah. He'll be gonna fine. Be okay. It's yeah, going to be okay. You know, so okay. anyways, oh, yeah. so I could, I could talk for hours about Alabama money, the money they spend in that program compared to the st- other state. Right. It's, it's, it's crazy. Alabama, he, he goes for, you know, he gets whatever he wants. I mean, Al, I mean, Nick Saban, if you guys don't know, I mean, he's the godfather of oversigning. It's the first thing he did at Alabama. He would go out and sign 35 guys and he'd be open tryouts in spring football. He would blue shirt, gray shirt guys. He started that whole process. He was the first guy that started um, over uh, having strength coaches. All of a sudden you would have an assistant to the assistant strength coach and there'd be 25 strength coaches at Alabama because a strength coach is what you could coach in the weight room. So he, he, he's been a master at so many things and everyone's yeah. catching up and we're rolling from there. And I mean, analysts, he's, yes, yes. I mean, there's rumors. He's like 50 analysts. Yeah. His analyst list, like all fired head coaches. It's fun to go back and look um, yeah. and like Marchish and see who he hired as an analyst. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's where that guy ended up. Um, oh. But yeah, anyways, we can, someone, Chris just put in the, in the chat on the side, doesn't Notre Dame have rich alums to which I would say yes. So everybody complaining that Tennessee or whoever is paying a quarterback, you guys can also do that. And I am aware (laughs) that there are nuances around whether it's an inducement or not or whatever, but, and I'm not saying Chris is complaining, Chris, you just, I thought of it when I saw your comment. Um, You guys can also do that. So yeah, anyways. We'll bring this back to Notre Dame for our final topic, which is um, which Notre Dame, new Notre Dame coach has impressed you the most since joining the staff? Obviously, there was a lot of staff turnover. Every single assistant Tommy Reese has is new. Al Golden is new on the defensive side. And then Mickens and O'Leary, I believe, are the only ones left over. So there's a lot to choose from. Um, the angle that we you can take you can do this either coaching or recruiting or both, um, whichever one works. So Mike, I'll let you go first. Which new coach has impressed you the most? Easy. Well, maybe it's not easy since there's a, there's another coach. I think Tim, Tim will probably go with, well, unless Tim goes with Harry, he stands because Tim's got a big man crush on him. Um, Harry doesn't count Harry Cause Harry, I mean, he's new, but he's not new. How about we eliminate Harry from contention? Were you gonna Were you gonna go with him? How, uh, Tim? No. Yes. Have you guys not seen what he's doing? But let's let's go to Mike first. Go to Mike first. I'm Harry's go. fun because he's been there before. Yeah, he's not new. Uh, yeah, back in 2017, and now, hold, uh, yeah, Harry Harry Heastan. I mean, let's go. Hold on, hold on. I'll I'll go first here. <laughs> I mean, you get these guys hanging out at South Bend on the video recorder, you know, texting ex-players, you know, and whatnot, chatting with them over the years. Everyone thinks he's just, oh, this old cranky guy. He comes into Notre Dame and he pulls two kids out of North Carolina, two that were not coming to North Carolina, uh, excuse me, Notre Dame, by the way. They weren't. Absher even said he wasn't coming unless uh, Harry Heastan was there. He wasn't coming before. He was not. He was not. You read all his quotes. He was not coming. Jeff I Quinn was not going to pull him out of the South. They get Pendleton. I know Pendleton's what their lowest ranked guy or, or Zinter. He's down there, but still, he's an up and comer, a late bloomer, tons of major programs. Two guys out of North Carolina. I said this to Mike uh, on one of the recruiting things. 
they've only signed two guys out of North Carolina on the offensive line, 2012 and then in 1987 with Winston Sandry. That's it. And then with other with other coaches, he has the potential to sign two kids in the top 50. What Notre Dame assistant's going to do that? That them personally pulling in these guys. So No, my, I agree. The argument was agree. not that Harry Eastland Go ahead. <laughs> Go for it. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's like I was gonna I mean, say the Harry argument Eastland is not that Harry Eastland. Oh, God. Okay. All right. I'll I'll, I'll say what Ashley was trying to say. Shush. It's the argument's not that Harry Heastin's not doing a great job. It's that he's been here recently. So that's, that's, that's our point. That was true. True. You know, and he, you know, he, he obviously did sign some guys, but he also signed some bust and whatnot. He's, I mean, you, you gotta say he's doing a heck of a job. He's doing a heck of a job on the recruiting front. You know, when questions, recruiters (laughs) had questions. Tim, and he's pulling it. Well, well, let me just say this: When Jeff Quinn signed damn good offensive line classes, you know what I heard a lot of? He's just—I mean, it's easy for him. You know, he's the Notre Dame offensive line coach. He should. So we say that to Jeff Quinn, but then Harry comes back, and you know, it's just all praise be to Harry. He stands. So it's well, fun. well, twenty twenty, Jeff Quinn only signed two guys last I checked, and those two guys are never going to play. It sounds like at Notre Dame. They but they could everywhere players. else. But I mean, it, no, then you. I will right, so well, no, no. two guys. What about the, the other, 2020? You know, you know why they're not going to be playing because they've got. And then he recruited Blake Fisher and Joe Alt the next year. But okay, but that's Joe like Alt saying Jamison Williams would have lineman. never played at Ohio State, so he's bad, and then he goes oh, to no, Alabama. No, no, and, no. no, yeah. no but I'm just saying, if you're going to go, if you're going to talk recruiting, 2020 signs two guys, and those and those two guys are going to be backups. Probably career backups unless something happens. Someone's got to be a backup. Hold on. He signed two superstars now in Spindler and Fisher. Joe Alt was no superstar. He was no superstar recruit. Joe Alt was a superstar recruit. According to me, hell yeah, he was. I'm going to end this national right now. (laughs) National. And and last year's class, and you've said this, Mike, as well, it's solid. But it's probably a ton of interior guys outside of Emil Wagner. So, um, don't you oh, need we'll interior see. guys as well? <laughs> we don't just yeah, need you, like, you can't sign a you I'm can't sign four out of your five can't be guards. So he hey he stands down doing a heck of a job, but that's just my opinion. Well, Mike looks like he's gonna murder you, so I will take <laughs> over while he sits there and cools off, and I will say that I am most impressed with Al Washington for two reasons. The recruiting is very, very obvious why I'm impressed with him. Um, Keeley was committed prior to Washington getting there, but he's kept him committed anyways. Um, And then over the last, like people are joking on Twitter, every time I post Notre Dame commit because it's a defensive lineman, because he just keeps signing these top defensive linemen, uh, pulled the, uh, is it Bubakar Traore? Is that how we say it? Mm -hmm. I'm still, okay. No, perfect. Amazing. Uh, flipped him from uh, Boston College. Uh, Jason Moore is still on the board. Um, I've been very impressed with what he's done on the recruiting side, and then I'm trying to keep this shorter. Um, and then talking with him, we talked to them a couple times this spring because both we we had a 
we got to talk to every single position coach, but also he was the head, co- head coach during the blue and gold game. So we got to talk to him twice. Um, and his ability, I think, to just like soak up knowledge, like he re- reminds me a bit of Marcus Freeman in the sense that like he uh, he's obviously very intelligent and knows a lot. But at the same time, like he's not he's not or he's not scared to be like, yeah, like I didn't know X, Y or Z. And Al Golden came in and taught me that. Like, I think his direct quote was um, learning from Al Golden's like getting a Ph.D. in football like he's not he's not overconfident to a point where it's annoying. Like he's well aware of, he's very self-aware knows what he doesn't know. Um, and is, is willing to learn. And then also just, um, I mean, he inherited a heck of a defensive line with that Malola twins, Odeofoski, uh, Riley Mills, who I think is going to be very good this year. Um, but they, they all rave about him. Um, and I, I, I've been very impressed with him so far. So he's my, he's my pick. Mike, are you okay? And would you like to comment? Uh Tim, I mean, there's you, you. I mean, there's gonna be backups. I mean, if oh if, Notre, <laughs> if, if Notre Dame signed, what, what position coach is going to sign two guys in the top fifty? I mean, which one? Well, well that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Okay. okay. I'm just saying, like, there's gonna be backups. I mean. Of Man, if we if we go through Not the rest of Notre to... Dame staff, they're going to get roasted. I mean, Jeff Quinn, you know, and, and Baker and Carmody are. I mean, that's two of the best backups in the country, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, sure, they're fine. I mean, Car- <laughs> I mean, Car- Carmody. We don't know what position it's, and and is Tosh Baker. You know, I mean, who knows? He was a little so-so in the spring game, and obviously, we saw what happened to him last year. They pulled I'm up. Uh, they this, pulled a redshirt off of Joe Alt. The, the, this logic, Tommy uh, Reese isn't getting out of here alive because I mean, the quarterback spot. You know, in those before him, I mean, it, it's been brutal. I mean, so. Anyways, um, Al Washington was. I was. So I was about to say this is a clear answer to me, and then I was like, "Ooh, Al Washington has done a really good job." But the biggest project has been receiver, and I think Chancey Stuckey's headed out of the park. I mean, you know, my job is dealing so much with high school recruits, their parents, their coaches, and just hear all these things about Stuckey, and um, I, I, I've been very impressed with him. Um, landing Braylon James, he's the fifth highest ranked player in Notre Dame's class right now, which again is number one in the country. I think they're going to land Rico Flores. I think they're going to land Jaden Greathouse. That would be a solid trio. They didn't get Gallagher, um, but I think they could get Malik Elzey from Chicago if that's able to work out. So he's another four-star receiver. So I just think that uh, Stucky has done a fantastic job, and he's got an it factor about him. I was in his hometown of Warner Robins, Georgia recently, and um, talked to the head coach at Northside High, who was on staff when um, Stucky was a quarterback there, and he's just, just a special person and someone who's very, very easy to uh, to root for. So I will go with uh, Chancey Stucky. Yeah, and he definitely inherited a, a project, as you kind of alluded to, I think, at, at the beginning, where like he stand in Washington inherited very strong lines. Uh, Stucky inherited a wide receiver room that has two people in it. Right. So not literally, but um, <laughs> six people, uh, six scholarship people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if he can turn that around, that's kind of the biggest project question mark, I guess you, you could argue quarterback, but 
because that's such a singular position, I guess we're talking group wise, or at least I am. Um, all right. Well, we have reached an hour. Do we have any closing thoughts on anything we have talked about today or just in general? Tim? No, no, good stuff. Yeah, no, the pick of Stucky, that was basically going to be my number two, just because that room is a mess and he's out there recruiting his tail off, you know, getting getting those guys and he's getting some some darn good football players. My, you know, the issue we'll talk about this down the road, wide receiver recruiting, they don't have the blazer though, do they? That's that's the thing that's might be missing from this class is a straight ahead burner burner especially a slot type guy but 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 the guys if they could end obviously keep james great house flores down the road they're recruiting i like elzy by the way he's like a little underrated type guy so he's yeah. he's a good football player some of the film i've seen of him recently especially some of his seven on seven spring stuff he's really improved so no uh stucky's working his tail off no doubt about that yeah yeah the the he stand again the the, the pick he, he's done a fantastic job i think this 2023 offensive line class could be better than that 2021 group or 2022 which is saying something because those were two of the best halls in the country but just the revisionist history sometimes just gets me going like that that uh quinn didn't get the the benefit of the doubt that uh you know we would we would give he stand or not benefit of the doubt but um you know he, he i guess he stand kind of built the o-line you so he should get that credit but it's just we just kind of dismissed quinn because but when you uh, read these guys you know but when you read these guys quotes it, it when you read when you when you listen to these guys interviews they've done these old linemen there's not you know a lot of these dudes weren't coming it seems like it so these he he stand went out there and got him in the fold when you read their quotes and you hear what they're saying and whatnot so and um i've know, been covering I, recruiting a long time the departing coach the, always gets crapped on it's just but outside, of Blake, but outside of Blake Fisher, everyone else, you know, Blake Fisher was elite. Everyone else was hundreds, two hundreds, what result ranked project type guy as they recruit, as you know. So it's not like they were getting high end elite guys. Well, let's go across the board and look at high end elite guys everywhere else. And I, I mean, I do you want to talk about cornerback? Do you want to go? Do you remember no. last week or two weeks no. ago when we went through that? No. Corner is a mess. <laughs> Yeah. So and as far as inherit, well, real quick, and as far as inheriting an offensive line, did did we not watch the offensive line last year? I don't think he had inherited a ready-made group. Not, not at all. Well, so not not entirely ready-made. It's not like I mean, he inherited two f- future first-round picks and a freshman All-American, another one that would have been had he not torn his meniscus or MCL or whatever it was. Like he inherited talent. I don't want to say that Lorenzo Styles is not talented, but I think we're all in agreement that Blake Fisher and Joe Alt, you're more certain about their future than about I don't think that's a controversial take. Well, we're, we're we only know about Alt because Fisher got hurt. If Fisher doesn't get hurt, we would never have seen Joe Alt. He was not going to beat out Josh Lug. I don't know. Joe Alt would I don't never know that we never would have Joe Alt was hold on. No, Joe Alt was the never? fourth. Joe Alt was the fourth offensive tackle, the fourth one. The fourth yeah, one. no, I know, but Joe we would have eventually. They would have eventually figured out that Joe Alt, like maybe not game whatever. I think it was the fourth game of the year. These are uh, regardless. Um, so they would have benched Blake Fisher middle of the season. You're saying? 
No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying we like Joe Alt would have played snaps eventually. And they would have, I trust that the Notre Dame offensive line coach and that Tommy Reese and that Brian Kelly would have figured out that Joe Alt is talented and they would not have benched Fisher, but you have guys move around the offensive line all the time. Like, it's not like Joe Alt, like would have never gotten a chance to do anything ever because Blake Fisher is there. Like there are ways to move him around and there are ways to figure out if he's talented enough to play him on the line on either side. They were playing him on the line. Number 45, a blocking tight end. That's what that that's what he would have been last year. Yeah, they were not okay. Gonna, they would never have benched Josh Lug, a fifth year senior captain, Blake Fisher, who dominated Jermaine Johnson against FSU. If he doesn't might, get hurt, Blake Fisher is playing all year long. But what about to your point about not benching Josh Lug? They might be about to bench Josh Lug and put Patterson at guard and put Corral at at Z Corral at center. Like just because Josh Lug is a fifth year senior doesn't mean he's not getting benched. Like, I mean, I love Josh Lug. He's fantastic. But I think the assertion that Josh Lug can never be benched because he has experience is ridiculous. But he wasn't benched last year. No, I'm I'm talking about Fisher. I I think they could have put Alt or Fisher at right tackle in this is such a big what if. And then put Lug at one of the guard spots and bench your boy Kane Madden. I mean, why wouldn't that have been an option, Tim? That's true. That's a very good point. It, it, it should have been an option. <laughs> if you want to do revisionist history, it should that that should have been option number one in August when they saw Kane Madden blocking. Okay. Well, we're playing the what if game of what if Fisher stayed healthy. So. Of course, of course. So 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 my point is, there's not two freshman All American offensive tackles, one and both bona fide first round picks because we would never have seen Joe Alt. We well, would we never did. have seen. We did, and the yeah, world is a better did. place we for played. it. He played his tail off. (laughs) He he did. He played his tail off against big time defenses those last six games of the year. Okay, that's enough, Tim. That I I could address that comment, but I'm not going to because I haven't eaten. We're getting Uh, we're getting this handsome man um, off the screen. Oh wait! All right, we're closing. Dang it! Okay, I keep clicking the wrong box. All right, Tim's Tim's fired for for the last thirty seconds of the show. Yeah. What? What? Tim's out of here for the last thirty seconds. All right, we, we've removed him from this show. Um, anyways, thanks for, for joining us. Before you hop off, make sure that you hit the like button, subscribe to our channel, leave a comment. Don't bring Tim back into this. Take him off. He's saying <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, anyways, yes. Okay, um, I'm, I'm getting all distracted. So yeah, uh, our $1 deal still going on. You should go to our site. We're covering so many different sports and we're covering recruiting. Um, in addition to the actual football team, obviously. Um, and you get access to the message board. Uh, it's a big month for recruiting in June. We're going to have a lot of scoop on that. We, I guess Mike largely is going to have a lot of scoop on there that, that you're going to want to read. And it's only a dollar and you're going to regret it later if you don't buy it now for a dollar. So you should do that. Um, yeah. Thank you all for joining us. We, My voice did survive. Thank you, Colin. Colin, Yep. Colin Park's Secession voice survived. So, yes. It sounds pretty good. Um, Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, we will be back next week uh, with more Notre Dame football talk. Tim's back again. Um, (laughs) Chris is a a big Tim fan. Um, All right. We'll see you all next week. (laughs) It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.